I remember when I was new to Christ and new to uh, the things of faith, um, I would I would sit back and watch, man, like, why are people so wild and loud and boisterous? And um, as the Lord started to work on my life and you start to do some reflection from where you were versus where you are. And it started to make sense for me, too. And I, I was became one of the crazy ones as well. So, you know, and, and you know, listen, when you love God and praise has no context or no cultural context, it's it's just a thing, you know, whether you're white, black, Asian, Indian, you when you know that God is good, see, and he's done great things. Come on, church. You, you get wow, you know. And so, um, Pastor Chow, you blessed my life in pre-hosting with that David reference. You know, David's my guy. David was the man and um, and he was a man's man. But he he praised the Lord. He go upside your head, but he praised the Lord, too, at the same time. That's the kind of people Jesus want. He want like half hood, half saved people who cut you. Welcome to Highlight, everybody. Y'all believe me, Peter cut a guy's ear off. Y'all remember? And then he preached a sermon and 3,000 got saved. Don't look at me like I'm too cute to get a little messy with this. I know it's Easter, but let me get a little messy. Okay. So once again, it's an honor to have you. And um, today, uh, well, uh, we had two messages. The first two services, same message. So check that out on YouTube. This won't go on YouTube, um, but just lean in. Today, I want to talk about Jesus the Dreamer. Jesus the Dreamer. If you're taking notes, we're on note-taking church, so um, let's lean in. Let's go ahead and define the term dream. Um, biblically, a dream, um, a dream, go ahead and define it, are visions that occur during sleep. Visions that occur during sleep. And so there are some um, in, in the Christian faith that will equate death to sleep. Um, some denominations believe that when you pass away, you go to sleep. And um, Jesus even said about Lazarus when he died, he said he is asleep. And so um, some doctrines or teachings have been founded upon that one statement. It is believed that you pass away, you go to sleep. When Christ comes back, you wake up and then you experience heaven. But um, the truth of the matter is, is that um, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there's no um, sleep per se. It's just that your body is resting and your soul is not there, but your soul is somewhere when you pass away. Um, so Jesus, the dreamer, this is the idea. So on Friday, he died. On Saturday, he was silent because his body was in the grave, but he still had a dream. He still had a dream for all of humanity, you and I. He had a great plan for all of us. You can also define a dream more in a more uh, inspirational sense or a more practical sense as a, a great aspiration or ideal. And an ideal is kind of like a, the perfect scenario. So Jesus had a perfect scenario as he was uh, approaching the cross. Um, the Bible talks that Christ was in uh, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. 
and um, that he was under so much duress right before he went to the cross that his capillaries burst and his blood started to go into his sweat glands. And so the Bible says that his sweat was as of drops of blood. And um, this is a very rare condition, but Christ experienced it because when he was in the garden right before his arrest, he was under such stress and such duress because he was holding up under my sin and your sin. And I mean, think about trillions of people who have lived uh, throughout the course of, of this earth. And so um, he even asked the Lord, he said, if there's another way, <laughs> take this cup of suffering away from me. And um, God didn't say anything. So he knew his answer. There is no other way. And so that eventually led him to being uh, arrested unjustly. And this is when Peter, ah, you got to read your Bible. Peter <laughs> cut Malchus's ear off and Jesus like, Peter, no, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Sorry, Malchus, take your ear, brother. And they arrested him and, you know, Christ is awesome like that. So, um, but it says this, I was studying this uh, some time ago and this really stood out to me. Because anyone ever saw the Passion of the Christ show of hands? The most accurate depiction of what Christ went through before he went to the cross. That beating with the cat of nine tails. um, Those those lashes and what Isaiah calls 700 years before Christ was even born. He says those stripes for our healing. So we didn't have to suffer. Right. So accurate and um, so graphic. I remember the scene. I was 16 years old. I went I went to the movies with my dad to see the passion and uh, I wasn't looking for God. I, I wasn't even in church like that. But it, it got to that scene where he, he took that beating for us. And that one last one where this guy swung that thing and it caught hold of his rib and it. Shoo, I I couldn't control it. I, st- I started to cry. And I, I had a sense then that God had his hand on my life. And so I just think if you've ever got emotional about Jesus uh, for any reason and you didn't know, it's because the spirit of God has been has been tugging on your heart for for a very long time. And so with all that, imagine that and bleeding and no clothes and he's cold. And 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 then they put a crown of thorns on his head and they pressed it in and they beat it in. And he started to the passion of the Christ. He started to bleed for you and I. And this verse that I'm about to read really made it all make sense when we think in terms of why did he suffer for us in this way? And it says it like this. Number one, he had to, but it says this here in Hebrews 12, verse two, it says, we must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. He is the source. He's the start and he's where we want to be. It says this here. He saw the joy ahead. Someone say ahead. So he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought him. He saw the joy ahead. So as he was being beaten, as they mocked him and and sped on him, he saw you. Oh, Jesus, don't do this to me right now. I'm, I'm just starting my message. He saw your freedom. He saw your fulfillment. He saw your future. He saw your salvation. He saw your liberation. He saw you as he was going through all that. He saw all of us 
And it says that, so he endured death to the cross, ignored the disgrace it brought him. Now, someone say now, he holds the honored position, the one next to God, the Father, on the heavenly throne. Someone say it doesn't last forever. The hard times don't last forever. And so if, if you think about this, like we live in a world of dreamers. We, we, the, the world we live in, um, the, the clothes we have on, the cars we currently ride in, the, the home or the townhouse or the condos or the apartment complex that we currently reside in. It was someone's dream. Some of you are from out of town. You flew on a plane or you drove on a car on a highway. That was someone dreamed of that. Someone, someone saw that at a certain point in the past, they saw it in our present time. And it was the same thing with Christ. Christ, 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 Christ saw every struggle you would have to endure. He saw everything you would be up against, not just sin, but he saw the relational, uh, you know, burdens. He, he saw the financial burdens you'd be under. He saw the sickness and the illness that you have to face. And, and the Bible says that he endured the suffering all for us because he had a dream. And we've all been beneficiaries of the dreams of others. I, I, thank, I thank God that uh, old brother uh, Truett Cathy had a dream of a chicken sandwich. Wake y'all up a little bit. A chicken sandwich. Praise the Lord. They ain't open today. We wish they were. And them waffle fries. No salt, please. Well done. Well done. Watch that blood pressure. <laughs> well done. I can't do soft fries. They slimy. Chick-fil-A sauce, show of hands. Okay. All right. Uh, barbecue sauce, show of hands. Z zesty buffalo sauce. Oh, baby. I did it a year ago. Ain't nobody. Everybody coming around. Zesty. That stuff watery, though. It's like orange water. And please don't try to eat it while you're driving because you're going to, it's going to get you. But Jesus, the dreamer, and I, I want to encourage you that you are the object of his love and affection. When he suffered, he saw you. And so today I want to build out three things that, that was the focus or the dream of Christ for your life as he suffered for us on the cross. Number one, freedom. Your freedom. Yeah. He saw your freedom. Your, your, your freedom. It says this here. Um, it says in Luke 4, verse 18 through 19, it says the Lord's spirit. This is Christ. He says the Lord's spirit has come to me because he has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to announce freedom. So he's not talking about the financially poor. He's talking about the spiritually poor. The Bible teaches that outside of Christ, we are all spiritually dead. We're deprived. So it says that he, he's to the poor. The Lord has sent me to announce freedom to prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to free everyone who suffers, and to say this is the year the Lord has chosen. This is the year the Lord. I remember um, when they brought this woman caught in adultery, uh, the teachers of the law, they caught this woman in her sin. And I always ask, where's the man? <laughs> like well, he, was, he was there too. And they, they, you know, they shamed her. They shamed her. It was a setup. They shamed her and, and they threw her down at, at the feet of Christ, expecting him to condemn her and have her stoned to death. 
But, but, but he looked at her and, and he forgave her and he freed her. And that tells me that there's, there's, there's no sin that the Lord can't forgive or that he won't forgive. There's no dysfunction that he doesn't have the power to set you free from. No, no addiction that he doesn't have the power to, to set you free from. I think about blind Bartimaeus. Some of us, we can't catch a vision or a dream. We don't know our direction. We, we know we're here today in church, but we, you know, we don't want to go to work tomorrow. We don't want to go to school. We, we don't have a vision. We don't, we're blind, just like Bartimaeus spiritually. And, 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 and he, he asked him, he said, Lord, if, if you're willing to heal me, you will. And, and Jesus said, I am willing. I am willing. Like he, he, he freed him. He, he healed him. And um, I'm quick to threaten a time out. When my boys are acting up, I'm quick. No video games. You go into bed early. And then my wife, she's a witness of this. I'm quick to forgive. I don't stick with nothing. When we get home, you go into bed at 730. Eight o'clock. Dad, 10 more minutes, please. I'm like, yes, son, I just love you. That's the nature of God. He's he's quick to forgive. He's quick to deliver. He's quick to set free. And I've come to find this out. And so some see Christians think that Easter is all about talking to the non-Christians. I come to find this out. The people who really need freedom the most. Are people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time. You need freedom too, Christian. Because you're either, you're either stuck in one or two things. Apathy, where your passion for God is lacking, or you're abusing His grace. And you know that God is a forgiving God. So you use it as an excuse to stay in sin. Some of you have just lost your fire. But Jesus was okay still. Watch this. Hold on. He was still okay with suffering for you. And when you just draw back a little bit, Trevor, and think about what he had to endure. I can't stay in sin too much longer. I, I, I can't lie too much longer. I can't look at every woman the way I used to look at him. I can't connive and treat people nasty and treat people dirty. He suffered for my freedom, for my forgiveness. That was his dream for me to be liberated from a life of dysfunction. He suffered so that when I read my Bible, my focus was not to become a scholar, but to get to know him. To get, come on now, church, to get to know him. Because I know a lot of men and women that know Bible. But they nasty. I wouldn't tell you to raise your hand. If you know one, they probably bought you to church today. They know the word of God, but they don't show it. And he died to set the Christian free. Freedom. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, free to pursue your dreams.
because you got right standing with God. Would I, I love y'all, but would I take that beating for you? Nope. Would I allow my kids to take it for you? Nope. God did. Would you allow your child to take that beating? So that some would say yes. Not even all. That's a love. That's the love of God. And he endured it for our freedom. And I can't wait to see him. I I cannot wait. I cannot wait to hug him and to kiss him and to worship him. Freedom. I can draw back to the things pre-Christ that had me in spiritual chains and fetters and how I tried counseling, practical accountability, go to the gym, read a book, self-help. I could not break those things. Those chains didn't fall off until I stopped playing church and I really had a revelation of how much he suffered. And there's power in his suffering. Simply put, he was chained so you don't have to be. He was beaten so that the devil won't continue to beat you for the rest of your life. There's something there about what Christ went through for us. There's a freedom in that. The second thing that he dreamed of was your fulfillment. Your freedom and then your fulfillment. There's some times when my my boys, they'll go to the store and they'll settle. I'm ready to spend some money. But they'll settle. And I know that they want more. And I think as followers of Christ, we've gotten in the habit of settling. I can totally relate. God's been dealing with me with this lately in terms of um, especially resource. I'll say, God, I don't got it. I can't do it. We, we can't make plans like that because we'll end up in debt or, or, or I'll lose that or I'll lose this. And the Holy Spirit's been telling me lately, he's been saying, you've been settling. He reminded me during this Easter season that I am the God who got up from the grave. There's nothing I can't do. He's saying, you're, you're settling with just being okay. The woman at the well, when he met her, the Bible says that she had been married five times. And the sixth guy she was living with, Jesus told her, I've never met you, but the sixth guy you're living with is not your spouse. And she was like, I perceive you to be a prophet. (laughs) Yeah, more than that. But she said, you all up in my business. But he knew that she was going around filling voids. And the first guy didn't work. The second guy didn't work. The third guy didn't work. 
The fourth guy didn't work. The fifth. And now she doesn't even trust men. So she's with him, but he still ain't hitting it. He's not hitting the court. And he said, the guy you're living with is not even your husband. Filling these voids. Filling these, these voids. He dreamt of your fulfillment. It says this here in John 10, 10 says, I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. I am the good shepherd. Here it is. Is the verse up? Here it is. It says that um, um, the thief's purpose, sorry, where, where we got here? John 10, 10. The thief's purpose, sorry, is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. It says this here. I am the good shepherd. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I encourage you. Cars won't do it. Houses won't do it. That degree won't do it. Moving into that neighborhood won't do it. I'm going to tell you, that this, uh, this <laughs> you'll get it. And it's like, wow, I finally got it. Uh, it wasn't what I thought. You'll finally get her. She wasn't what I thought. You finally get him. He wasn't what I thought. But I'll settle. Sorry, y'all. Happy Easter. <laughs> but am I in the neighborhood? Is this good? We can clap it up. Is this good? Oh, wow. Overflow out there. Give it up for overflow. See, overflow's like, we wish we was in there. Y'all ain't doing it right. Man, look. But this is the deal. A loving relationship with your Heavenly Father will fill that void. And his desires for you to be fulfilled. Number three, future. His dream was your future. So in Genesis 3, if you're taking notes, we see the fall of mankind. And what happened was, is when Adam and Eve sinned, they missed the mark of God's word. The Bible says he, he pushed them out of the garden because had they ate from the tree of life, we would be stuck in this forever. This forever. And so he pushed them out out of his grace and mercy. But with that, they were also separated from Eden, which represented paradise, heaven on earth. And so what happens is, is when we sin, it separates us from God's best. And sin has internal and external ramifications. Brokenness, illness, violence, pain, all dysfunction in this world is a result of the original act of sin. It's not that your father doesn't love you, but he hasn't met a savior. To love you the right way. It's not that your partner is abusive verbally, physically. It's that they have not met a savior to set them free. It's not that your mother doesn't care or she's numb or, or cold. It's that she hasn't met a savior to set her free. And so he thought about all these things and, and he, took, he took our sins upon himself and, and was nailed to the cross. And he died for our past, present, and future sin. 
And he died so that we would live. And he rose so that we would live and so that nothing would be impossible for you. He had to he had to to reconcile everything that Adam and Eve did, because what they did, the Bible teaches, produced death. And it says in Romans five that a second Adam came as the result of one man all died. But a second Adam came and as a result of his death, all can live. And so when he was being beaten and when he was hung on the cross, he was thinking about your future. And I think the greatest thing I can tell you today is this man dead, man alive, Jesus dead, Jesus alive. There's a theme here. Christ dead, Christ alive, Christ dead, Christ alive, Christ dead, Christ alive. Y'all not listening yet. Christ dead. Don't clap yet, but receive this. Christ dead, Christ alive. You'll get it soon. Christ dead, Christ alive. Christ dead, Christ alive. Christ dead, Christ alive. Christ dead. dead. Now watch this. Something has died in your life. And many of us watch me, have allowed death in one area to spread across the rest. You've allowed death in your relationship to spread into your workplace, into your home. You've allowed the death that the news pushes to spread into your mind, into your heart. Now all that's in front of you is fear, uncertainty, unknowns. Think about it this way. When Jesus passed away, all of the the disciples lost hope. They were winning miracles, signs and wonders. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Peter walked on water. And in one day, he died. Everything was lost. Jesus dead. Jesus dead. Jesus dead. Jesus alive. Some things in your life have died. They've died. They've died. But because Jesus rose... They can live again. It's nothing deep. It's as simple as that. Because he rose. They can live again. The marriage can live again. That teenage child of yours can come to Christ. That dream can live again. May not be that relationship, but a new relationship. That marriage can live again simply because Jesus died. He was dead. He was dead. He was dead. Now he's alive. And all it takes is simply giving your life to Christ.
for every dead thing in your life to resurrect. For some of my believers, it takes recommitting your heart to Christ. Not a superhero t-shirt. Recommitting your life to Jesus and everything the enemy tore from your life over the past two years. I know a lot of death happened. Not just people. Let me tell you, I can, I can um, make this very practical. 4,000 local churches closed their doors last year. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm thinking, what do we do as a church? Well, we have groups throughout the week. Um, that's a source of prayer and support and community. And honestly, it's the best thing that this church has going. Sundays are awesome, but groups are is where it's at. We do outreach. We feed people. We clothe people. We shelter people. We clean parks. We've partnered with the police. You know, we've, we've partnered with the local government, the mayor's office. We're making such a big change. I think about Sundays. Sundays are great. It, it's, it's the Super Bowl. It's where a new guest can come in and fill the presence of God. I think about partnerships we have with other churches. I fear to think about what would have happened had Highlight died and where people would be who are part of this local community. I've lost count of how many people God has used our church to save people from suicide. I've lost count. First two or three years, I can count them on one hand. I've lost count of the amount of marriages that the Lord has used you all our church to save. But 4,000 churches died. That's people not being fed. That's abuse running rampant. Those are cities that are not being repaired and healed. All to run to a secular system that is dead and that the devil runs. Four thousand churches died a decade ago. Seventy-five percent of Americans claim Christ. Today, only sixty-three percent claim Christ. We're getting further away. That's death. Because I don't know about you, but we can go and look for Christ right now. We can go and look for the body of Christ. And you won't find it. You can go and look for Buddha. We know where his grave is. We can look for Muhammad. We know where his grave is. But throw them all out there. Abraham, Moses, we know where they are. Joshua. But you go to the grave and you look for Christ. Jesus. Jesus. Dead. You can't find him. Because he's alive. And I ain't going with them dead jokers. I'm going with the one who got up. I'm going with the one who got up. And 
he got up to show you that it's not over. It's not over. You don't have to bow down. You don't have to settle. You're not stuck. You only choose to be. But the way out is so easy. Jesus even said this. He said, broad is the, broad is the way to destruction. There are many demons, many ways, many ways to destruction. Narrow is the way to life. And the way God showed me that narrowness was that he said, the reason it's narrow is because there's one leader. There are multiple ways to death. Multiple ways to wreck your life. There's one way to fix it. Wow, and it's easy. You don't have to fix yourself up. You don't have to come dressed a certain way. You don't have to stop cussing. You, it's faith in Christ. It's as simple as that. Jesus fulfilled the law. That old system, that old agreement, the old covenant the, that, that had a provision in it. We had to bring our sacrifice once a year. Perfect, perfect lamb. Once a year to the priest. The priest had to cleanse himself and go into the most holy place and hope he didn't die. Like we always approach God with fear. Christ came. Sinless. Pure blood. And he died once for all of us. Pastor, you mean I can have tattoos? Get as many as you want. It's easy. Someone say it's easy. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You have a future. Let me read these verses to you real quick. God says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, I will bless you with a future filled with hope. This is a promise, a future of success, not of suffering. I'll suffer for you. And just simply put, let me kind of challenge, encourage you with this. There is no freedom, no fulfillment, no future without God. But there can be if we accept Christ by faith. What's your number one pursuit right now? Let's have a conversation. Is it money? None of these things are evil. They just won't fulfill. They won't set free. In fact, the more money you get, the more of you you are. Are you waiting on your spouse? It's good. They won't fulfill. They'll let you down. As a matter of fact, they'll hurt you the most because you love them the most. God wants to be your spouse for a season. I want, God said, I brought many of them here today because I want to give them new life. And we're going to make it simple for you. We're going to open our hearts and receive Christ today. I, listen, today I'm recommitted to Christ. I think you got to do that on Easter. You put the stake in the ground and say, Jesus, I'm going all in. We're going to make it simple. Let's read these verses. John 3, 16. Here it is. It says this here, CEV. 
says, God loved the world. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. Romans 3, 22 says this. Oh, we got 17. I'm sorry. Go to verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people. He sent him to save them. Romans 3.22 says this. It says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone. Who believes no matter who we are. Romans 10.9. Here it is, the salvation verse. If you openly declare in your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing, here it is, in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Could you stand to your feet? I believe, um, I believe today the Lord, you probably thought that um, today you brought yourself to church. Um, But in Genesis, it says that when God formed Adam, he breathed the breath of life into him and man man became a living soul. That tells me that our breath doesn't even belong to us. And every time we breathe, the pronunciation of our breath is yud, thud, yud, thud, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. So whether you're a believer or not, you're still giving glory to God. Now. This is the key. Let's bring it full circle. God put his breath in you this morning. And he gave you strength to get ready for church. He enabled your car to get here. And it was all because he wanted to have an encounter with you today. Eleven years ago, we were at a church, my wife and I. And it was 11 years ago that this woman that is now my wife gave her life to Christ. And if you were to ask her, would you imagine your life being what it is today? She would say no. 16 years ago, I committed my life to Christ. You'd ask me at 19, could you imagine? I would say no. Today's your opportunity. A future. He has a future for you.